for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Um, So Psalm 46, if you have your Bibles please turn to it, it will be on the screen. Uh, 11 verses of Psalm 46, so it says, verse 1, God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall, God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall, he lifts his voice, the earth melts, the Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth, he makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And God, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word, and that we would hear from you today, um, challenge us, speak to us, and may we go away wanting to live it out as well, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we don't have long this morning, but we're going to go straight into uh, this passage. So first of all, Psalm 46, similar to the passage which I spoke on a couple of weeks ago, what this passage talks about is how when all life is going crazy, kind of like Lydia was talking about this morning, when things are going crazy, when things are going bad, when things hurt, when things are painful, when things are confusing, that we do not have to fear. That's what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. We do not have to fear because, as I said a couple of weeks ago, when we get close to God, when we live in his presence, where we spend our day-to-day in the presence of God, that is how we are able to stand against all the stuff that life can throw at us. But just looking at the first few verses of this chapter that says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. Now first of all, this is a psalm, so it's a song, it's poetry. So when it says things like, uh, when the earth gives way, mountains fall into the sea, and it will, you were on holiday last week, did you see any mountains fall into the sea? Any earthquakes north of Wales last week? No, okay. Sometimes we can get kind of bogged down with scripture when it has kind of poetry. But what this is saying is when life is going crazy, when everything seems to be going wrong, when we look around and just the stuff that we thought was consistent, the stuff that we thought we could put our faith in falls and crumbles, whatever it might be, governments, um, um, just the patterns, thoughts that we have in culture, different people, whatever it might be. It could be your house, it could be your job, your family, whatever it might be, all the things that can fall down around us. These things happen in life but it says that God is our refuge and our strength an ever present help in trouble therefore we will not fear now this is amazing news we know this kind of thing we talk about regularly what amazing thing that God is our refuge that he is our strength and an ever present help not a sometimes present not just a Sunday morning present not a certain time of year present but an ever present help. This is an amazing truth for us, which is fantastic, which is true, but so often 
we forget about this thing. We forget these truths. Don't we? These, these truths that we can hold close in one minute can suddenly seem so far away when mountains are falling into the sea and there is earthquakes and all this kind of thing going on. And in 2019, we are constantly told, aren't we, by culture, by whoever it might be, that the only way that we can stand against the things of life is by earning more money. It's by having a better career. It's by having more power. It's through all these different things that we're told you need to do that because that is the only way that you're ever going to stand against all the things of life. But God says here that he is our refuge. We know that passage well from Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus talked about the man who built his house on the sand and the man who built his house on the rock. The man who built his house on the sand, he went up quickly, he got a nice house, didn't take long, probably cheaper, all these kind of things. But when the storms came, the house came tumbling down. But the man who took the time and built his house on the rock, when the storms came, the house would stand. This is all through scripture, this theme. God has been our refuge. God being our rock. So this morning, the message for us, first of all, is that whatever is going on in our life, whatever is happening, you might have had a great week, you might have had an awful week, you might be someone that you know is going through a really difficult season, whatever it might be. But the truth is, is that God is our refuge. That God is our rock. God is where we should build our life. Not on anything else, because when the storms come, It falls and it crumbles. But the wise man, the wise man, the scripture says, builds his house upon the rock. So how do we forget this? Why do we forget this? I think the the answer to that is found in verse 10. Now this is a famous verse. This is kind of verse that we see on notebooks and calendars and uh, Instagram and all these kind of things. Verse 10, it says that he says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. He is with us. Not just Emmanuel at Christmas. Emmanuel, God is with us 365 days of the year. Be still. It says, be still and know that I am God. Now we live in a world, we live in a culture that does not do still very well. I think you'd agree with that. We don't do still very well. I think if sometimes in our culture, I would, if you are still, you get accused of being lazy. You get accused of not kind of like pulling your weight, whatever it might be. But we don't do still very well. For, for a lot of us, still is a place that we go once a year on holiday. That is when we're still. You might have just come back from holiday and you're thinking, well, it's now 51 weeks until I get to be still again. Sometimes it might be a particular place that you have to forge out to go to. But, but I think that God, when he says to be still, God isn't a God that commands us to do things that are impossible. He tells us to do things which we can do and are for our good. So when he says to be still, he's not talking about the north of Wales. He's not talking about your holiday. He's not talking about a place that you go to. He's talking about something different than that. For many of us, we have our phones that are constantly bleeping at us. We have email. We have, we're always contactable, whether it by work or by people that might need us. We, social media, we've got 24-hour news where every time you go on BBC News, it's like something else horrific has happened in the world. And I don't know whether there are more horrific things happening now or there are probably just we hear about them quicker and easier now and they make the news cut easier than they ever used to. But we have this constant bombardment now, don't we, of things, of bleeps on our phone, 
people trying to fight for our attention. But being still, even in this context of 2019, being still is not a place that we visit, but it should be, for a follower of Jesus, being still should be a regular pattern in our life. Being still for a follower of Jesus should be a regular pattern in our life. In the Gospels and Scripture, we, see, we, we read about Jesus resting. We read about Jesus sleeping, Jesus retreating. Various times, Jesus retreats. He tries to get away from the crowds. He tries to get away from people. These times when Jesus could have been preaching, he could have been teaching, he could have been walking around, healing people. You know, if you're only around for three years, I, you know, my mindset, I think, well, he's just making the most of it. Go, 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 go. You've got to always be on. Keep meeting people, doing as much ground as you can take in three years. But regularly, we see that Jesus was pausing. He was slowing himself down. He was stopping, retreating. And I think for many of us, we often think of being still as like a, just a nice suggestion. Like it's a nice suggestion, but reality, I'm too busy. I've got kids, I've got a job, I've got uh, grandkids, I've got responsibilities, I've got friends, I've got a social life, I've got homework, I've got all these different things that I need to do. There's not really time for being still. Yeah, it'd probably be nice, but hey, you know, no one else has time, so why should I? I'll leave it. We think of it as just a nice suggestion that's not compatible with our life. But I really believe... And I really want us to hear this this morning, that I do not believe that this is a nice suggestion from Jesus for us. But I think that it is an essential. I think it is an essential if we want to take seriously following Jesus. I've I've talked about this numerous times before, but I think it's just a great analogy. Just going back to Genesis chapter 1, I think we see this really well in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, we see the creation story. We talk about God, how he creates the world. We see all God makes the, the skies, the seas, the night, the day, the animals, the birds, the fish. He makes all of these things. Day 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Day 6, he makes us. God got on just fine without us. God seemed to be able to create all the things in the world before he he had us making meetings and and coming up with plans and uh, considering things and lobbying and writing letters and coming up with all these different plans, being busybodies, trying to make the world. God got on fine, absolutely fine, without you and without me. This hurts our pride. We like to think we are the ones that make everything happen, but God did not make us until day six. And day seven... We have a rest. <laughs> like, it did, it's not even we went straight to work. We, we had day six and then God had a rest. He said, well, I've done everything that I need to do. <laughs> I, I didn't, we, we, we were essential for creation. One, two, three, four, five, everything is made. Day six, it's us. Day seven, it's rest. And what this shows me is that God's intention is that we work from rest and not rest from work. I think this shows us that God's intention is that we work from a place of rest rather than rest from a place of work. Most of us, we spend our life exhausted waiting for that time of year where we get to visit that place still, rest. And we are exhausted, we're shattered. A lot of us go on holiday and we just get ill because we've not stopped. We've not been still maybe for 51 weeks of the year. And we get there and we're exhausted. But the, I think the heart of God for us, which we see in creation, is that we rest and that enables us to do all the things which we do. We get it the wrong way around. 
Because we live in that constant culture, don't we? We live in this constant culture, constant contactableness, constant use, constant entertainment. And deep down, we always feel like this need that we always have to be switched on. We always have to be on. Or we'll miss something. I might miss a phone call. I might miss an email. I might miss someone's post on social media. I might miss a text message. And then I won't be able to get back to them in time. And they're going to be offended. And then I'm not going to have a friend anymore. Like we always feel this pressure. We've always got to be ready. Always on. Always, always, always. Go, 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 go all the time. The beauty of being still, and this is why I think it's really important, this is why I think it's more than just a nice suggestion, is that I think the importance of being still is that it reminds us, when we're still, when we go into aeroplane mode, it reminds us that when we are not, God still is. When we are not, when we are not contactable, when we are not in the loop, when we are not in the know, when we are not on the go, when we are not filling our plans which we've like, made with people, whatever it might be, when we are not following our calendar, our diary, when we are not, God still is. It's a strange moment. If you ever practice this, if you ever put your phone off and just try to have time being still, there's a strange moment which happens 99.9% of the time is when you turn your phone back on, everything is still working. <laughs> The world is still happening. There's not fires and and explosions going on down the streets. Everything is just fine. 99.99% of the time. Louis Giglio writes, Admitting that we are not God, that we are not in control, not running everything, not responsible for everyone's well-being, not the solution for everything and everyone, not at the center of all things. It doesn't belittle us. It frees us. Admitting that we are not God, not in control, not running anything, not responsible for everyone's well-being, not the solution for everything and everyone, not at the center of all things, doesn't belittle us. It frees us. As I was preparing for this morning, this week, it's kind of been in my mind, the sense of stillness. I've caught myself of how often, I've got a, a four-year-old boy, but how often I say to him, and probably this is the word I've noticed I say more than most of us, is hurry up, hurry up, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, hurry, go, 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 hurry, hurry, come on, hurry, let's go, come on, you go, 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 that's it, no, come on, hurry, hurry, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, what are you doing, hurry up, hurry, hurry. And how often I say these words. Now, sometimes this is fine. There's places we've got to be. We don't want to make people late. All these kinds of things. There's nothing wrong. In, you know, we shouldn't all just be just casually, just whatever we'll be, we'll be. There's places we've got to be. There's places we've got to go. But how much, a lot of the time, I'm saying that when there, there, there is no hurry. I don't need to be anywhere. We're just at home. It's a Saturday morning, whatever it might be. But still, just because of my nature of, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I've been stood on this step for like half a second now, and that's longer than I want to. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Busy does not mean hurried. And hurried doesn't mean busy. We can be busy and not be hurried. You cannot be busy, but you can be hurried. You can be really, really busy in life. There's people that you can be incredibly busy, incredibly got an agenda, important meetings, important things, high priority jobs, all these kind of things. But it's possible to not live in a place of hurry. Alternatively, you can have nothing on your calendar. You cannot have any meetings, no people that you need to meet, nowhere that you particularly need to be, but you can still live with that state of hurry, 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 where your heart is always kind of racing, where you're not 
still. Hurry does not mean busy, and busy does not mean hurry. Dallas Willard writes really well, and and he he talks the difference of these things. And he says that the problem is not being busy, the problem is hurry. Because he says, hurry is the great enemy of our souls in our day. Being busy is mostly a condition of the outer world. Being busy is mostly a condition of the outer world. It's having many things to do. But being hurried is a problem of the soul. It's being so preoccupied with myself and what myself has to do that I am no longer able to be fully present with God and fully present with you. There is no way a soul can thrive when it is hurried. And then the last bit he says, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. When I'm hurried, and I'm aware of the time this morning as I'm talking about hurry, but when I am hurried, it's really hard to know, to remember that God is God. When I'm hurried, I find I'm more snappy, I'm more sarcastic, I find I can be more cynical, I find I can get jealous, I can get bitter. I'm not fruitful when I'm hurried. Even if I'm doing something that I'm busy with, when I'm doing it in a hurried way, I don't do it well. It doesn't get done well, it gets done in this kind of panicky, just hurried way. And when we look at Jesus, Jesus is is someone who was not in a hurry. When you look at the stories, we, looked, we talked at the stories of uh, Lazarus a few weeks ago. Jesus, come. Jesus, come. And Jesus was not in a hurry. There's a story of Jairus, who, whose daughter was in, in bed, ill, dying, and they sent for Jesus. And Jesus, on his way, he came, but he was stopping on the way, and he talked to people, and he healed them on the way. And, and, and they said, Jesus, it's too late. She's died. And then Jesus healed her and rose her. Like, Jesus is not in a hurry. Jesus was not in this frantic, what what do you mean he didn't bring any bread and fish? What do you mean he didn't bring any bread and fish? What what are you doing? He wasn't hurried. He wasn't frantic. Jesus was not someone who operated like this because, as we see, Jesus practiced being still. He practiced it. He put it into his life, time where he stopped, time where he retreated, time where he was still. Now, just a quick note, particularly to the Freedom Youth here this morning, if your parents this afternoon say you need to tidy up, don't say, I'm not in a hurry. <laughs> you know, Tom this morning, he spoke, I don't need to hurry. You know, we'll do it later, not a rush. <laughs> I mean, there's only two of you, so I feel like you've been targeted this morning. <laughs> but if you, if you get told to tidy your room, you tidy your room because it's something that you need to do. That's not what we're talking about this morning. <laughs> Same with our, our bosses at work. That will not go down well if they say, can you do this? They say, I'm not in a hurry. They told me not to be in a hurry at church. They will say, I don't care about your church. You get the job done, else you're fired. Okay? We've got to get the job done. <laughs> but all this ties in to the notion that God, in the Old Testament, they said, who, who shall I say sent you? He says, say, I am. God calls himself in the Old Testament, I am. And when we recognize that God is and we are not, it leads to a place of freedom. We're coming to close now. But um, we've had a season at church which has been brilliant. Um, off, off the back of Jack's book, which if you've not read Jack's book, another plug, you should read that book. Fantastic. I've loved hearing stories of growth, uh, hearing people be challenged, and just really exciting season. 
and, and it's amazing, so, so much truth in that about reaching our potential. I'm all for that. We have so much potential in this room, in this church that we want to reach. We've talked about the parable of the talents and how we, we want to make a return on what God puts into us. And that is so important that we talk about reaching our potential. But I think it's also important for us to talk about our limitations. It's important that we recognize our limitations. When we don't recognize our limitations, that's where we start to think that we are. But we are not God is. God is I am. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. So this psalm, what I love about this psalm is as it starts off in the start of the psalm, I will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and the foam and the mountains quake with their surging. And all the stuff is going on in life. I think what we need to learn is that we don't wait again until our holiday to be still, but we need to find ways in our everyday life to be still. Now, there's loads we could talk about things like Sabbath in the Bible. And these, I'm not particularly talking, it ties into that, but I'm not particularly talking about that. This morning, I'm not telling you that you need to go home and tell um, your wife or something, we need to go and spend three grand on a holiday. I'm not saying that. Don't, don't, don't put that on me. I'm not saying that you need to um, quit your job or go part time. I'm not saying anything like that this morning. I'm not saying anything like that. What I'm talking about this morning is just how to get it into your regular rhythms of your life. How? To be still. Just a few ideas that I'm going to give you that I want to really encourage you to try this week. What about this week at some point? Take some time. It might be that you've you've got a whole morning and you can do a whole morning of being still. That would be amazing. I'd find that really hard, but that would be brilliant. Maybe it's an hour. Maybe it's ten minutes. Whatever it might be. Maybe it's five minutes. I don't know. But in some way, what would it look like just to be practicing being still? This is different. The world, if you've noticed, past few years people are starting to talk about mindfulness and all this kind of thing. There's always a good stuff to that. But that's not a new thing, okay? There's actually a lot more of that in the Bible which we should have been practicing as Christians for, you know, this whole time. But what would it look like just to be still, maybe airplane mode. I know that sends a bit of a shudder down some of your spine. But airplane mode on five minutes, ten minutes, whatever it might be, and just be still. It might be really uncomfortable, it might be jarring, you might be panicking, whatever it might be. But set a timer if you need to, so you're not, keep, quick, keep checking your phone, how long, how long have I got left? All right, I'm only 30 seconds in. Like, whatever it might be, but just to begin to practice, just slowing yourself down to be still. It might be that you read this passage and you just spend some time, just, just consider it in your mind. I actually, when I was preparing for this morning last night, I was aware that I was hurried as I was preparing because I was running out of the time that I wanted. So I just thought, I'm going to do it now. So I put my phone off. I set a timer. It was literally five minutes. And I just sat there. And I just thought, I need to be still and remember that he is God and that I am not God. And it was really hard because I had loads of stuff to do. I was really busy. And I kept checking, the, kept checking how long my three, how long my three. But whenever I felt my mind wander, I just kept just saying the words, just simply, you are God. Your God, not me, your God. And it just helped me just align my thought. I'm not going to say this is like a route. You're not going to have an amazing experience in five minutes. It'd be really awkward maybe, but I want to really encourage you to do it. Maybe it could be something like um, in the morning when you wake up. 
I think a lot of people, I've read stuff about this, how many of us, the first thing we do, most of us, before we, for those who are married, before we even talk to our spouses, we are on our phone, checking the news, checking our feeds, whatever it might be. Maybe it's just to try holding off, turning your phone on, if it ever went off at night in the first place, but holding off just for a minute or two and say, God, thank you today that you are God. And I just want to know your presence today. Just having a moment and just recognizing, being still and knowing that before the day kicks off, before anything happens, whatever you've got on the agenda, just reminding yourself that he is God. Maybe it's just taking a minute or two when you pull up to work in the car before you get out. It's just having a minute. And just saying, before I go into work and get into work mode, just be still and know that he is God. Maybe it's a phone call that you've got to make this week. Maybe it's a scary phone call, I don't know. But I encourage you, take a minute before you make that call. And just remember that whatever happens in that phone call, whatever the news, whatever the feedback, whatever comes, be still and know that he is he is God. Whatever is coming up, whatever is going to happen, reminding ourselves that He is God. Not waiting to church to remind ourselves of that. Not waiting to a holiday to remind ourselves of that. But in the rhythms of the ups and downs of life, that He is God. We're going to listen just to a song to finish. And I just want to give you an opportunity just to be still, really. If you want to listen to the words of the song, you might just want to just think about this passage, whatever it might be. Sometimes it's awkward, it's uncomfortable. But so we don't, as Christians, we're not meant to be like the world. We're meant to be different. Stuff that people at work might think is weird. You do what? what? Why, why, are you, why are you spending 10 minutes doing that? Why? Like, it'd be weird to so many people, but we're called to a different way. We're called to be followers of Jesus. And if we're going to followers of Jesus, we should follow the things that Jesus did. And Jesus practiced this really well. So I'd encourage you to do that now. I'd encourage you to do that in this coming week. So as we listen to this song, just one last time from that quote from Dallas Willard, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God.
So God, we thank you that in every circumstance, in every life in this room, that you are God. And I pray, God, that we would not be so hurried that we fail to be still and remember this. May we not be so hurried that we think that what we're doing is more important than remembering that you are God. I thank you that you are God. And therefore, we will not fear. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Have a great week. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.